You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at winsboro.church. Is this thing on? Can you hear me? All right, last week I muted myself before I got up here, so <clears throat> that's embarrassing. But thank you, Ken, so much for reading that. Um, before we get started, I would love if you would join me in just a word of prayer uh, before we begin our lesson. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you now and thank you so much for this beautiful day you've blessed us with. God, it's a blessing to be here uh, to sing praises to your name. Father, to gather around the communion table, Lord. Uh, today, as we study your word, I just pray that we can hear what it is you want us to hear. Father, that we can uh, set aside any preconceived ideas we might have about your word and about Jesus. Father, that we can see him clearly as he is, as you want us to see him. Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Over the past few weeks and going on through this month, we are going to be wrapping up this series called Church of Christ. And something that I thought about as it's now February is many of you probably, like me, started a few New Year's resolutions a month ago, uh, and there's a good chance that you might not still be doing those. <laughs> so, uh, one thing I, I wanted to say, though, is uh, as we study this, this series, and then we'll have another one coming up uh, there in March, right before Colby and his family comes, I really want to challenge us uh, as a body, as a body of believers here in Woodsboro, to really take these things that we're talking about to heart. A lot of what we're talking about is not some deep theological thing. It's not stuff that you've never heard before. In fact, it's a lot of stuff that you have heard before, but hopefully prayerfully, these are things that we can put into practice and we can resolve to actually make this be something we focus on, especially as we have a new preacher coming in uh, so that we can welcome him and his family and and allow him to do the work uh, that God is calling him to do here in Winsboro. So real quick, before we get started with this week's message, I want to remind you of how we got here. (laughs) So the first message that I gave in January was called Churches in a Building. Churches in a building. And the main thought of that lesson was that we are called not just to be a church here in this one place, but that we're called to be a church everywhere and always. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what groups you are a part of, you are a part of this body. And that means that you represent not only this body, but you represent Christ. And so, how do you represent Christ in this world? The second lesson was of Christ. And the real thought I wanted to present in that lesson was that we should be a body, we should be striving to be a body that is known not by what we're against, but rather by what we're for, more specifically who we're for, and that is Christ Jesus. And so then Roger picked up the slack for me while I was gone to Winterfest, and he preached on unity in Christ. And and I really like that, that message a lot. And it's really the idea that we need to keep Jesus as the head of our body at all times. Sometimes we like to place other people on a pedestal. Sometimes we like to place ourselves on that pedestal. But if we want to have unity as a church, as a body of believers, we have to remember that Christ is the head. And we go where he says to go. And then last week, we followed that up with vulnerable before Christ. I brought my friend Cy out here, weird little you know, visual thing. But the idea that I wanted to portray in that message is that we all have scars in our life that are left from darkness and sin of our past. 
And that we as Christians shouldn't be ashamed of those scars, but rather we should be vulnerable before Christ so that his light can shine through the darkness in our lives. And therefore, whenever we're vulnerable before Christ and with each other, confessing our sins to one another, Scripture says, man, talk about unity. Talk about unity right there. And something I want us to really focus on here today is this question that I had after that message. After I gave that lesson, I couldn't stop asking the question, you know, what really stops me and what stops us as a body here in Winsboro from being vulnerable specifically to one another? And I came up with one answer, and that's fear. Fear stops us. In one way, it stops us because we are afraid of judgment. And I kind of hit on that last week. We're afraid that we're going to be judged whenever we actually open up and show the real us to somebody. We're afraid that we're going to be met with somebody's criticism. And what I talked about last week is how the love of God, the love that we should have with one another, it isn't judgment-free. But it's through that judgment that you see true love. It's through that judgment, that righteous judgment, that says, I know where you've been. Man, let me show you where Jesus can take you. But then I thought there's another fear that we have. There's a fear with that fact that we think we're going to have judgment. We're also afraid that we will not receive forgiveness. There's a fear that not only will you judge me, but you won't forgive me for the things that I've done. You're going to hold that over me for the rest of my life. And let's just start with Christ on that one. This week's message is forgiven through Christ. Before I get started, I want to point out, if you're not a child of God this morning, if you are not in Christ, if you have not repented of your sin, if you've not confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, if you have not been baptized into him for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, I'm here to tell you I'm not really talking about you this morning. I'm kind of talking to you. I couldn't think of the best way to start this message, so I guess the best way to go about it is just simply to tell you a little bit of my story, where I come from. I was born in the year 1993, don't do the math, and I was born in Searcy, Arkansas, and was raised in Heber Springs for about four years. And my very first memories from early on were being a part of a church. In fact, my, my mother's side of the family all were Church of Christ, and so that's all I've ever known is the, the Church of Christ lifestyle, and really my first memories come from the teachers that I had in those classes from a young age. One of those teachers is named Miss Bonita. Miss Bonita would always come in and allow, allow me to look at like the Noah's Ark thing and do all this stuff, and she loved to read me that book, you know, the Rainbow Fish book. We loved it. I loved her, and I just cherish those moments. Another person, my, my mom's best friend's dad was there and we would always go hang out with him because he was a postman at the, the local post office. And I'd go to him and, and he'd sing these silly songs to me like Little Bunny Foo Foo. Not going to sing it, don't worry. <laughs> I do remember it though. These were awesome memories. And then whenever I became four years old, we moved back to Texas where my mom's from over in Edgewood. And we couldn't find a house there, so we ended up living in a rent house for a year over in Wills Point, about 10 minutes down the road. 
And so naturally, we went to church there in Wills Point, Texas, at the Wills Point Church of Christ. And I had fond memories of that as well. Many great teachers, but none greater than Miss Cheryl Etheridge, one of our elders' wives. She would always do these memory verses with me, and she was always so proud of me and encouraged me to continue to read my Bible every day. And what a blessing it was. And then being at, at Will's Point, I heard about this thing called Camp Deer Run. And I got to go there for the first time as a, as a young kid. And I loved Camp Deer Run, man. I'd go there every summer. I only got to go for one week, unfortunately. But that one week out of the summer was the best week of my entire year. Because I'd come back and I'd be so on fire for God. I'd be excited about Him. I'd want to know more about Him. I'd want to read His Word and I'd want to be more like Him. And then, going into my 8th grade year, I realized something. I realized that I had not been forgiven by Christ. And so I talked to my mom on a Saturday night and said, Mom... I think I need to be baptized. It was the scariest thing I ever did. <laughs> she rejoiced with me and was so excited. And that Sunday morning, uh, she, did, she was a good mom. <laughs> she didn't force me to go forward or anything. Uh, we went and talked to my, my preacher at the time, Sean Williams, after that. And he said, well, he asked me a few questions, talked a little bit. He understood that I understood what I was committing to. He said, well, when, when do you want to do it? And I said, well... How's Monday evening sound? (laughs) And so on Monday evening, me and my parents and my brother and my grandparents and a few of the elders of that church and our preacher all met up at the church building, similar to this one, and I got baptized. I was forgiven of my sins. And since that day, I've been sin-free ever since the end. So, if only, right? If only. No, instead, you know, the only real sin problem I had prior to that was I kind of had a cussing habit in seventh grade. That was the sin that weighed on me. That was the sin that made me decide that I need to come to Christ for forgiveness. Unfortunately, that sin, it, it fails in comparison to the sins that I've committed since, at least in my mind. I went to high school, did all that, went to college, continued to go to church, continued to be a faithful Christian. And in that time, I was helping wherever I could. I would serve when I could. I'd I'd be at church every week, twice on Sundays, once on Wednesdays. I even got hired out at Deer Run to be a counselor, one of my biggest dreams. There was something It came up. It kept coming up. There's this question of, am I really forgiven? Like, I know what I did whenever I was 13. I know know what everybody told me. I know that the blood of Jesus is supposed to cleanse me from all these things of the past and anything from the future if I'm willing to confess them and repent of them and keep following Him. I know what people say, but man, have you really seen what I've done? I started to believe the lie that my sin was too great for the blood of Jesus. 
That may be you this morning. That may be you. The question I have this morning for us is, do you have assurance that you are forgiven through Christ? Are you sure about it? I'll tell you, for many of my young adult years, I wasn't. I'd slip up time and again, and every time I did, I thought, man, that's just one more. Just add to the pile. I'm talking, I was a faithful Christian. I baptized other people. I brought them to Christ, and yet, for some reason, something inside of me wasn't believing what I was selling them. And so, I questioned, do I need to get baptized again? Do I need to... What do I need to do? Maybe you've done that, and I'm not saying that's any, there's anything wrong with it. Because I want you to be sure, but are you sure? There's a verse I want us to read. And I'm not saying that this is a fix-all for, for you. If you're struggling with those same thoughts, I, I understand. I've been there. But I want us to read this passage and I want you to really hear what it's saying to you if you are a Christian, if you are in Christ. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3. Let's turn over to there. Ephesians chapter 1. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, or sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He has set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to Him, things in heaven and things on earth. What is God's will? God's will is for all to come to repentance. For all to turn and come to Him and be forgiven by His grace. That's God's will and His desire. God looks at us in our terrible state. And he says, I want to adopt you. I want to make you mine. And then verse 7 again. In Him, that is Jesus Christ, our Lord, our King. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses or sins according to the riches of His grace. Am I forgiven? Can Jesus' blood cover my sin? Absolutely. Absolutely. My sin is not too great that His grace is not greater still. Let me say that one more time for the people in the back. My sin is not too great that His grace is not greater still. And I still repent. Repenting, for those of you who might not know, repentance means to 
turn. It's like, I'm going this way, it's going horrible, I'm living my own life my own way, and I say, oh wait, I need to follow Jesus. And I turn 180 degrees, and I start walking the right way. That still happens for me as a Christian. Because sin becomes harder. Temptations become harder. I still struggle with those things. But I don't stop trying. I don't stop confessing my sins before God and before one another because that's the only way that I can ever get through. It can be hard, honestly. It can be so hard for us to remember that we are forgiven. Because some of our sins, they hold us a little too tight. Some sins seem just too big, but they're not. And if only we had a way to help us remember that we are saved by the blood of His cross, if only we had a way for us to remember, man, I've done a lot of bad things, but Christ has forgiven me. If only we had a way to remember the body and the blood that was shed for us. Oh, wait. We do. (laughs) This is it. I spoke to Pat last Friday. And she asked me a question. She said, so, what's your prop going to be this week? (laughs) Kind of been doing some visuals here and there. And I told her, you'll have to wait and see. It really did get me thinking because this may be sad for some of you. I don't really have a visual effect today. I really thought about this table. And I considered taking that table and putting it right up here. So that as we worship, as we look up to this screen and we sing praises, that we see why we're all here. Everything that we have talked about during this entire year so far, with this entire series, all of it has to do with what communion represents. All of it has to do with the sacrifice that Jesus made so that we could be forgiven of our sins. I really appreciate Lloyd's thoughts this morning. I did get your text back, by the way. I don't know if I responded or not. But I'm reminded of this verse in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And what does that death represent for us as Christians? It represents forgiveness. A forgiveness that I could never earn. A forgiveness that I did not deserve. That forgiveness is what makes all of us different from the rest of the world. That forgiveness is what makes us live different from the rest of the world. That forgiveness gives us the Holy Spirit to help us do that. The question now for us, though, is this. I really want you to look at it clearly this morning. Is it possible to forgive those who have wronged us in the same way we have been forgiven? Really got to apologize to my high school presentation teacher. That's a lot of words on the screen. But let's look at that again. Is it possible to forgive those who have wronged us in the same way 
that we have been forgiven. And to that we all say, well, it depends. Right? And rightfully so. It does kind of depend for us. Depends on who it is. Who are you talking about forgiven? <laughs> Depends on what they've done, right? Ah, is it really not that big of a deal? Or did it change my life? More than that, is, is this an ongoing thing? How many times do I got to forgive somebody? The question of is it possible, the answer is yes, but not from ourselves. Certainly not from ourselves. If it was left up to me, mm, better not. (laughs) I'm not forgiving you. But let's look at Matthew chapter 18. Similar situation. Peter, one of the apostles, one of the three that was closest to Jesus, he has an interesting question for Jesus. Is it possible to forgive others in the same way that we have been forgiven? Man, how many times I got to forgive somebody? They keep doing it, Jesus. They keep on messing with me. They keep on hurting me. How many times do I have to forgive this person? Peter, <clears throat> verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will I forgive my brother, or how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Or seventy-seven times. Huh. I know, that's a lot of times. (laughs) Basically, I think that Jesus is saying, Peter, stop counting. You continue to forgive your brother. And then he tells him a story. Verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Some of you who have footnotes in your Bible may read, let me get this right, that a talent is equal to 20 years' wages for a laborer. So he owed him 10,000 talents. That, if I'm doing good math, equals out to 20,000 years that he owes him. 20,000 years that this servant owes this master. Let's keep reading verse 25. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. I don't know how he's going to do that. (laughs) And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. 20,000 years of wages. Releases him, forgives forgives his debt. 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarii is a single day's wage. So let's get this clear. 100 denarii, 100 days' wages, talking days, 24 hours, not even a full year. That compared to 20,000 years. Let's keep reading. Let's see what he does. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. 
he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Verse 35. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. How much do we owe God? Wages of sin is death. You got the death penalty. You got the death penalty and Jesus says, I forgive you. I don't know about you, but I've had some pretty rough people in my life been hurt. I'm certainly not saying that I've been hurt worse than some of you. There's a lot of people in here who have lived a lot of life, had a lot of experiences, and there are people in your life that have hurt you. But I would be very surprised, based on the fact that you are all here and alive today, that any of you have been sinned against to the level of death. How does it compare my sins that I've been forgiven versus the sins that other people have done to me? As a Christian, there is no comparison. I'm not saying that this doesn't hurt. I'm not saying that what other people have done to you is right. I'm saying, listen to what God has called us to do as Christians, as his people. Who am I to not forgive others? Who am I to not forgive somebody who only owes me 100 days whenever I owe God 20,000 years in comparison? As our passage read this morning, Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive If you grabbed a bulletin this morning, you may have noticed there's a blank line in the sermon notes. I'd like for you to get that out, or if you have a smartphone, you can go ahead and check it out online at winsboro.church. You can do that there as well. On that blank line, I'm going to challenge you to do something a little uncomfortable. I want to challenge you to take that line right now. I don't hear enough paper rustling. Everybody grab a paper. Yeah, there we go. Even if it's a little card in the pew back in front of you, you can use that too. Share the pins. We probably don't have enough for this. I want every single person in here right now to name one person who you need to forgive. Name one person who you need to forgive. They may be a fellow Christian or maybe even a family member. We all have people in our lives that we allow barriers to be built up between us. 
And the only way to get through them is through forgiveness. And I'm not even talking about the real bad relationships, right? So there's people in our life that we like, we're friends with, we talk to them. Even in those relationships at times, we can sense, man, I think there's something between us. But I want you to pick one person, particularly the person that it's, it's hard to forgive. Because this is not something that you're going to do this morning and then forget about it, hopefully. This is a challenge for you from now until the relationship is resolved. My challenge is this. That person that you wrote the name down of, here in a moment I'm going to challenge you to underneath that, write out a short prayer for that person. Write out a prayer asking God to help you to forgive them. Write out a prayer that challenges you, that encourages God to help you in this because you can't do it alone. Write out a prayer on that piece of paper for that person. Each of you, your prayers are going to be different for these people. That's okay. Some of you need a prayer for wisdom. You need wisdom on how to forgive this person. Because some of these things that people have done to you, they have lasting implications. I pray that you will write that into your prayer, that you will pray and ask God for wisdom and how to forgive this person. Some of you may need to pray for God's timing. It may not quite be time for you to pray or for you to forgive. Maybe it's a challenge because this person you might not see for a while. Ask God for his timing. Also, you might need to pray for courage. I bet we all probably do. In your prayer that you're about to write here in a moment, I challenge you, ask for courage from God, courage from the Holy Spirit, to have the courage to actually forgive this person. Whatever your prayer for this purpose, or for this person, and your forgiving them looks like, I want to remind us of one little passage in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus says this. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I'm asking you to write a prayer down. One that hopefully you will say over the next few days, the next few weeks, however long it takes for you to actually forgive this person. And what better way than to look at how Jesus is described how we ought to pray. Maybe forgiveness for other people is a real challenge for you. I know it can be. My challenge for you is this. How much have you been forgiven? I don't know that there's anyone in this world that doesn't need forgiveness. That's something that will show this world the light of Christ if we are a people who forgive. So it doesn't end here. You're, you may need prayers 
this morning. You may need to come ask the elders and their wives for prayers, and we'll do that here in a minute whenever we stand to sing. You also might need some wise counsel on this. Maybe you've been trying to forgive on your own for a while, and maybe you need some help and allow somebody in to the situation to help you with it. My challenge to you is this. Take one minute to write out this prayer. Then right after that, I want you to close your eyes, bow your head, and pray that prayer for the first time. Hopefully not the last. Maybe you need to speak with or pray with a brother or sister in Christ that's here this morning. And after we sing, if that's what you need to do, don't worry about this song. I'm sure Craig has some great thoughts after this, but I promise you, he'd rather you go talk to that person. But also understand, you might not be ready. You might not be ready to forgive, and I'm not telling you to go before you're ready. Maybe you need to pray in this moment that God will work on your heart. That God will give you a heart that actually is willing to forgive. So right now, this may be a little different and awkward, but I'm going to be quiet for an entire minute. I challenge you, in this minute, write down that prayer. And at the end of that, I will join you in praying. And after we get through praying, we'll stand and we'll sing our invitation song. Take one minute. Write down your prayer. Father God, we come to you this morning confessing that we struggle with forgiveness. God, it is hard for us to forgive others in this world. We have a lot of scars because of what other people have said and what other people have done. God, maybe our struggle to forgive others is because we don't know that we're forgiven ourselves. And I pray, Father, you will make that clear for us. That you will make it clear for us as your people that we are forgiven by the blood of Jesus' cross. God, there are many names written down here today. And I want to pray a special prayer over all of them. Father, help us as the people in Winsboro, as your people in this church. Father, help us to forgive others as we have been forgiven by you. Here in a moment, God, we're going to sing these words. Just as I am, thy love unknown has broken every barrier down. God, may we as your people be evidence of the barriers that your love breaks down in our lives and between us and others in this world. Father, so that others may see how we love you, we love others. And God, that we go into this world and we make disciples for you. Father, be with us now as we finish this prayer and as we stand to sing, God. I just pray that if anybody has a need, that they will make it known this morning. We are so grateful for Jesus, sacrifice he made, and we're so thankful, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that helps us to forgive others as we have been forgiven. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.